to be obedient in following the call of God on their life. In Jesus' name, amen. You may go back to your seats. I appreciate what Bradley had to share this morning about things that are happening in our communities, in our counties. Uh, just an update on something that happened to me this week that I thought was really special. I'm not sure what day it was, Tuesday or Wednesday afternoon, I was sitting on my porch reading, and I saw this group of young people walking on the street. They went down toward 322, and we see that all the time, young people heading to the rec center or wherever they're going, and then they'll come back. But there was probably a half a dozen, maybe eight young people, um, and then they came back maybe a half an hour later or 40 minutes later. I saw them walking on the other side of the street heading for the rec center. Didn't think much about it. Um, and then suddenly, three young girls came walking across from the street into our property. And I thought, okay, here we go. Uh, and they asked, hey, could we pray for you? I thought, of course you can pray for me. I said, absolutely, please. So they came up, I, 13 to 15 maybe, age group. I was trying to imagine myself at 13 going to a stranger's house and saying, hey, can I pray for you? Probably the farthest thing from my mind at 13. Probably the farthest thing from your mind at whatever age you are. But I noticed them even after they prayed for me that they went after uh, some young people and a mother walking away, heading toward 322, and stopped them. And I'm assuming they were praying with them, talking with them. They talked for quite a while. I thought that was pretty special. And so they gave me their names. They prayed for the need that I, that I requested. And then I said, can I pray for you guys? And they said, absolutely. So, and they were from the Jesus rallies. They were here for the week and just uh, were out walking the streets of Ephrata, stopping whomever they came across and say, can we pray for you? What a great testimony. What a faith of a young person to just trust God that he'll bring into their path someone who really just needs an encouraging word or just to know that somebody cares. So praise the Lord. Keep on keeping on. Uh, you guys, whatever you're doing, and pray for our young people as they many have made commitments and what God is going to do with them um, from this day forward. Have you ever thought about making decisions? Thinking about, like this morning when you got out of bed, did you stop and say, okay, I want to write down what I want to do today? Probably not. We just got up and did our thing. It's Sunday for naturally we thought, oh, we're going to go to church, of course. My point is oftentimes a lot of the decisions that we make every day, and there are multitudes of decisions, we do without even giving it a second thought. We just do it. It's, it's second nature. You don't tell yourself, okay, Mel, blink, blink, blink again. It just happens, right? Take a breath. Sometimes my wife says, okay, Mel, take a breath. It's okay. Just take a breath. She did that this way in the church this morning. <laughs> I was all fired up, I guess too much coffee. I'm not sure what it was, but she said, Mel, just take a breath. I said, okay, that's better. Some of those things are just automatic. We do them so long, so many times, it's just repetitious. We just do it. Sometimes it's because it's the way we were raised. We do things just because that's how our parents did them. For example, when I was a boy, we washed our cars on Saturday. We wanted a clean car to go to church on Sunday morning. And we would dress our Sunday best on Sunday. 
It's what we did. And so I still do that. At least I try to do that. It's Sunday. It's the Lord's Day. I want to look good when I come to church. Sometimes it could very well be that it's culture. Just the culture we live in has influenced us so much that we just, we adapt what the culture is doing and we just, that's what we do. Those are decisions that we make. Sometimes it's because of our peers. Maybe many times because of our peers, those that we pal around with, those of our age group, those who are our friends. And I thought of peers and how, how much they influence. And I, was, I wanted to get that point across to each of us that the, the way that peers influence us in decision-making. Maybe we don't even think about how often that happens. For example, I think of Solomon. We talked about Solomon today in our Sunday school hour. And, and Solomon's predecessor, his son who would take his place was Rehoboam. Solomon built a dynasty unlike any the world had ever seen. Um, and then comes Rehoboam to take his place when his father dies. And Rehoboam was not like his dad. And I looked it up. Rehoboam was probably 41, I think the scripture says, 42 when he took over for his dad. But what I wanted to point out was what we read in 2 Chronicles chapter 10, when Rehoboam is commissioned with taking over control of being king over the 12 tribes of Israel. And so they get together and say, okay, here's what your dad did. What are you going to do to make it better for us, easier on us? And you remember the story, you Bible students. He sent them away and said, give me three days. I'll think about it, and I'll come back to you with an answer. And this is what it says in 2 Chronicles chapter 10 and verse 6. Then King Rehoboam discussed the matter with older men who had counseled his father Solomon. What is your advice, he asked. How should I answer these people? The older counselors replied, If you are good to these people and do your best to please them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your loyal subjects. But Rehoboam rejected the advice of the older men and instead asked the opinion of the young men who had grown up with him, who were now his advisors. That's the point that I was wanting to make. Sometimes our peers have more sway over our decisions, good, bad, or otherwise. And I want us, I want us young people sitting here thinking about that when you... When you get to a place where you have to decide what you're going to do, and this is what the group wants to do, I'm hoping to the time we get through this message, you will maybe have a different way of looking at how you make that decision. You know, some of us as children wanted to honor our parents when it came time to be, become adults, and we made decisions very much like our parents. Maybe, Maybe some of the things our parents did, we didn't do. We didn't incorporate that into our home because, well, I remember growing up, I thought my parents were old-fashioned. I mean, it's time to spread my wings and get rid of some of that stuff that I thought my parents did that, yeah, I didn't need to do. That is also something that happens, and Scripture reveals that. For example, in Second Kings chapter 14, we read this about Amaziah. Uh, who followed his, his uh, father as the king of Israel. It says, Amaziah, son of Joash, began to rule over Judah in the second year of the reign of King Jehoash of Israel. 
Amaziah was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother's name was Jehoadin from Jerusalem. Amaziah did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, but not like his ancestor David. I thought that was interesting. Yes, we want to please the Lord. We like, we love the Lord. We, we value our parents' faith um, and convictions, but, but we don't keep them all maybe the way our forefathers, our parents did. I believe our children will by and large as they grow up in our homes and are exposed to our faith, our values, our convictions, will adopt those. Maybe not in their teen years. Hang on, parents, you'll get through that. And then they'll see a little clearer you know, mom and dad weren't that far off. Maybe that was right. I should do it that way. But I, um, there is a danger that sometimes we as generations will, will cast off some of the values, some of the convictions of our parents, and, and maybe we'll be the, the, the weaker, uh, less fortunate for it. Proverbs chapter 3 and verses 5 and 6 give us a remedy, a recipe for how to make good decisions each and every time. Listen to what he says. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. If you want to read that again and you don't have a Bible, a pew Bible is where I took it from, the New Living Translation, and it's page two, uh, 526 in that Bible if you want to turn there. I'll be referring back to it from time to time. Here was Solomon, one of the wisest men who ever lived, gave this advice for his children. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. So here's my first point. Trust in the Lord. When you make decisions, when I come to a crossroad and I'm not sure what to decide, trust in God. It seems so easy, so elementary, like there should be something more to this. Really? Just trust the Lord? The phrase that stands out to me in that first part of that the verse 5 is with all your heart, with all your heart. So what is that? It's not just trust the Lord, but with all your heart. Uh, Strong's Concordance defines the word heart as the feelings, the will, and even the intellect. We would say maybe our mind, our will, and our emotions. Everything about us purposes to trust the Lord in this. It's like me, I should have a chair here. You, you're sitting in a pew. You're trusting that pew with all of your weight. You're not holding yourself up just in case that thing breaks. You're trusting the pew's gonna hold you. So you put all your weight and you don't think about it. That's, that's kind of the definition, the illustration of trusting the Lord with all our heart, um, with no reservations. We can't say, well, okay, Lord, tell me what you have for my life. And, and if it sounds good and I agree, I'll do it. But if, I, if it doesn't sound so good to me, maybe I'll, I'll look for another way. You and I will never know God's best or his plan for our life if we say, uh, tell me what you have and I'll decide if it's good enough. He, he won't reveal himself that way to us. For example, in James chapter 1, we're reminded that if we want to ask wisdom and we're encouraged to come to God to ask questions, we got to do it with a loyal heart without reservation. James writes, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, 
for a person with a divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. If you and I are going to ask God, we have got to ask God without reservation because he is not going to be in competition for our uh, veto power, if you will. And he doesn't always show us what he has. He'll reveal that in his word, but he doesn't always open the door for us to just, here it is, Mel, walk through it. Sometimes we, we wrestle, and we talked about it in our Sunday school class this morning. The Bible says, they that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Sometimes we just need to wait till God makes clear what he has for us. And it could very well be that there are times God waits for us. He says, this is what I want you to do. And, and we're waiting and nothing happens. He says, Mel, this is what I want you to do. Move. Do something. Don't just sit there. I've told you what I want you to do. Now act upon it. A good example is in Joshua chapter th uh, 3, 14 through 16, where Joshua and the nation of Israel is about to walk into the promised land, but the Jordan River is in their way. They've got across the Jordan River, and the scripture in Joshua says it was overflowing its banks at the harvest season. It was full and overflowing. That would have been quite a sight to see, to come to the river and see it just overflowing with volume and rushing waters. How do we get across here? And God said to Joshua, get the, the priest to carry the Ark of the Covenant and to move forward to lead the people across the Jordan River. Do you know when he, when he parted the Jordan River for them, when he stopped the waters? It was when the priests stuck their foot in the water. Didn't happen just because they started walking toward the river. It was when, according to Joshua chapter 3, when they placed their foot in the water, then the water stopped. Sometimes God will wait for us to move, and then he shows us. We walk by faith, not by sight, right? Isn't that what the Bible says? That's the, that's the life of a Christian. We walk by faith, not by sight. We need to trust him. Uh, good lesson this morning in Sunday school about the generosity of our God, especially in the life of Solomon. And Solomon, I don't believe, was any greater of a, of a God-fearing man than you or I can be. We can be just like Solomon and enjoy the, the generosity and the grace of God. The reason we have to trust the Lord is my second point. We don't know it all. I mean, that's the long and the short of it. We just don't know it all. Much as we'd like to think we do, it still is ironic for me to look at people in our culture with all of the technology and the knowledge that we have, the lack of common sense. It staggers my mind sometimes. I don't know if you ever watched some of these video clips of people doing some crazy things. I just watched some this week where a guy was cutting down a tree on his property. It looked good to me, but he hadn't planned. And the tree snapped before he had it cut through. It fell and went right over to his house. You can see all kinds of things like that. He's saying, oh my goodness, what was he thinking? I saw another video clip of a guy trying to demolish a silo with a, a big track hoe. And they had cut it around and he was going to push it. Well, unbeknownst to him, when he started pushing it, it twisted and fell right over the barn and took down about three-quarters of the barn. Just things of common sense. We just seem to lack that in our culture today. We know so much, and yet we don't know so much. We, we just, there's a disconnect 
Maybe it's because we just haven't learned to trust the God we claim to believe in. <clears throat> I have a book, and I left it out in the, in the foyer that I was going to bring along just for uh, in case I forgot the story. It's called An Asian Harvest, and, it, and it's still in print, I believe. It's not that old. Uh, Paul Hathaway. Mark gave me that book some time ago. I was reading it this week. In fact, I was reading it when this group of young people came by. Um, and he tells a story about here is a young teenage man who gave his heart to, to Christ, had a radical conver- a conversion, transformation. He went into China almost immediately after he was converted and started taking Bibles into China. They call themselves donkeys, um, just taking Bibles in and smug- smuggling them in. And then he came back to Australia from where he was born and decided he needs some more training. So he signed up to go to Bible school. And he rented an apartment with a couple other guys. Um, and, and when he had become a believer, he had felt God tell him, Paul, whenever you need something, you come to me. I will take care of it for you. I will take care of your needs. Well, he ro- enrolled to Bible school, and he was living in this apartment, and his rent came, was coming due, and he had no money, and he had no job. And he was out in the country. He, he needed, first of all, a job, and he needed a vehicle to get to work. And so he was sharing that with one of his uh, uh, roommates. A guy was saying, so how's it going? He said, well, I'm good. I, I'm, he said, are you, are you looking for a job? His name was Peter. And uh, yeah, he said, I am, but I really, I need a vehicle. So I'm asking God for a car. And Peter just reprimanded him. Paul said, get out there and get a job, bum. Do what you got to do, and then you can go buy your own car. That's what we would say, right? Uh, your son comes to you and say, Dad, I need a car. Would you buy me a car? We would say, get a job. Go to McDonald's and start working. Paul had sensed in his spirit that he was to wait on the Lord. He took that to the Lord. The next Sunday, he went to church. Someone took him to church, and after church, he was standing around thinking, okay, what should I do with, my, with the rest of my day? And someone came up to him who he never saw, or never knew, and introduced himself. I believe his, I'm not sure what his name was, but he said, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm not really sure what I'm going to do this afternoon. He said, would you do me a favor? I have a motorcycle helmet I need to have taken to my friend Tim. He lives outside of town. Actually, it's only a couple miles. Would you mind taking my, this helmet to Tim? And he's saying, I don't know Tim. I don't even know who you are. But he just, okay, well, I have nothing else to do, so I can do this. So he took the helmet, got the directions from this young man, and started walking a couple miles to find Tim's house. And all along the way, he was just sweating, thinking, what in the world am I doing? Why am I doing this? Finally, he found the, the address, and, and here as he came up to the house, there was this young man, a tall, lanky guy, working on a car. And the guy said, who are you? What do you want? He said, well, I... I was sent from a guy at church. I have this motorcycle helmet for you. Are you Tim? He said, yeah, I'm Tim. He gave it to him. He said, so what are you doing now? He said, well, I'm not sure. So he was standing there and noticed that Tim was working on this car. And he said, are you having problems with the car? I said, oh, this car is driving me crazy. Hey, would you like a car? Paul said, uh, sure. They went into the house, signed the papers right there. He drove home in his new Renault. How many of us would have faith enough to trust God for that? Not even knowing. To even to do that in the first place just encouraged my heart and said, Lord, I want to be like Paul. I want to have that kind of faith, just a childlike faith. Even when I don't know it all, I don't see, I don't understand what you're doing. Can I trust you enough to, to believe? 
that you got the details worked out. He got a car free, found a job, was able to pay his way through Bible school. He had several stories like that of how God just miraculously, supernaturally provided even the funds he needed. He went without having the funds, lost some baggage and said, Lord, what am I going to do? He prayed, trusted, and it was at the very last moment someone showed up and gave him uh, an envelope with the exact amount of money he needed. Does your God work like that in your life? He wants to. I just am convinced that's the same God that we serve. We, I just have to trust him more. I have to, I have to lay it out there for the Lord. Say, Lord, you said you'll take care of my every need. Here's a need I have. Will you take care of this? Sometimes I'm, I'm guilty of making decisions, and I've come later to regret those decisions. I'm sure you have as well. You can think back in your life when you thought you knew what you should do, and you made a decision, and it might have been a financial decision that was painful because you didn't trust the Lord. You didn't ask him. You just went ahead and did it. I've done that, and I'm here to encourage us today to listen to Proverbs chapter 3. We come to whatever decision we have as an individual, as a couple, as a family, as Christians, as part of this church. Let's go to the Lord with those questions and ask him. I like what uh, uh, we read in the Bible. I believe it's in Jeremiah. It's in Jeremiah chapter 9 and verse 23 and 24. It says, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness and judgment and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. The part of the verse that really stood out to me was when God said, let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me. And that's the third point of, uh, that I'd like to leave with us, is to follow his path. The writer of Proverbs would say, how do we know what that is? Well, he will show us the path we're called to take. We have to, to trust him, to put it out there, to walk in that path that he has for us, even, even if it doesn't make sense at the time. We are to, to seek his will in all that we do. I see more than just in that answer, finding out what's right and wrong. It's so much more like I was sharing with the children what he has for me. Just as he did to Jeremiah, he had a plan for Jeremiah's life. He has a plan for your life and mine may be completely different than anyone else sitting around us, even anyone else in our home. But it's God's purpose for your life and mine. We need to seek what that is. I wonder what Jeremiah must have thought when God said that to him in chapter 1 and verse 5. What are the revelation of God to Jeremiah that he was called to be his prophet to the nations? And it was not going to be an easy road for Jeremiah. He is called the weeping prophet. He had some hard news to share with the people of God. And yet God said, this is what I have for you. Go and do it. I'll be with you. I believe the implication is, as it was for Jeremiah, for you and I, 
God has something he wants you to do. Um, something he has designed specifically with you and me in mind. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 we read, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. He planned these good things for us to do long before we were ever born. We just need to seek it out. Um, we need to search out what his will is. I like to Psalms 37, 5 and 23 in the New Living Translation says, Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. He will help you. I find comfort in that encouragement. Um, gets me excited. He's going to help me. If God is for me, who can be against me, the scripture says. In verse 23 of that same psalm, it says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their life. He finds joy in what he's given you to do. As he watches that call unfold in your life and in mine, it brings delight to God. So what lessons can we learn from Proverbs chapter 3, 5, and 6? Trust in the Lord. Trust him. I know that's difficult at times when we look at the decisions that we as a family have to make. Like, do we, do we send our kids to public school? Do we choose to homeschool? Um, or what about a job? Is this the time to make a change? A lot of people are looking for workers. Um, should we buy a house now? Should we wait? How much do I need to have for a time of retirement? Question after question that we have and we should be discussing, thinking and praying about. And on and on, the list can go. Um, in this world, I wrote chaos and confusion. Every follower of Jesus Christ has available to him or her God's will for their life. You and I can, can take a deep breath and trust God. He has a plan. And if we'll let him, if we won't run ahead of him, he'll reveal that plan. And he'll call us to, to honor him to bring him delight in what he has for us. The second thing I see is that always check your decision. When you and I talk about it, we pray about it, we say, okay, this is what we want to do. Stop and ask, is this, is, what, is this what I should do? Is this what the Lord wants me to do? Do you think he cares? As I read scripture, he cares. He is involved in every facet of your life and mine. We can run it past that grid, past God's um, approval. We will win. And then lastly, follow the Lord's way. It's been my experience when I do follow the Lord's way. It's the best, but it's not always the easiest. It's the best, but it's sometimes difficult to do it his way. For example, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says this. You can enter the kingdoms, the God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. Isn't that amazing? You would think the road to life would be broad so that everyone could get on it and go. It's exactly the opposite. 
you want to follow what God has for you in your life and you want the best, it's going to be tough and rocky. And you're going to have fall and hurt yourself along the way. It is going to be difficult to get there. But guess, guess what? It will be worth it. It will be life. Not only today, but for eternity. Sometimes the things we do, we don't understand. But after we do them, wow, it changes everything. I read a story about Corey Ten Boom. Corey Ten Boom, for some of you who are old enough to remember or read her story, lived through uh, uh, the time of the Nazi occupation. Her parents were Jews, and, and so they were being hunted. Uh, but their dad, their parents, made a way in their house to hide Jews. It was called the hiding place. It was a false wall, and so they would bring Jews in and hide them so the Nazis couldn't take them and take them off to the concentration camp or the gas chambers or whatever it was. But guess what? One day, they were discovered, and their family was taken to the concentration camp, and their parents died as a result of that. She never saw them again after they were taken away. Her and her sister, Betsy, lived through horrendous times in the concentration camp. Um, after the war was over, she found freedom. She began to, to travel the world sharing her story. There's a book out with the title, The Hiding Place, if you haven't read it, if you can still find it. It is incredible, the things that family went through and Corey Ten Boom herself went through. She talks, tells a story about one Sunday in Copenhagen, she was sharing a message, a, a, a talk with the people at the gathering. And she spoke from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 saying to her audience to present their bodies to Christ as living sacrifices. After church was over, two young women came up to her and said, Corey, we want you to come to our house for lunch. We want to talk to you some more. Would you please come and have lunch with us? And she felt like, sure, she would, she would do that. So she went to their house. Unbeknownst to her, they lived on the 10th floor, and there was no elevator. And did I mention she was 80 years old at the time? 80 years old walking up 10 flights of stairs. Let that just sink in a little bit. That would, that would have been a challenge. But they were so excited to have her come to their apartment, and they continued to urge her, so she said, okay, let's go. She made it to the fifth floor, and she was exhausted. Her knees were buckling. She just, her heart was pounding. There was a chair. She sat in the chair, just collapsed, and was, I can't go any farther. But these two girls just kept urging her to come on. They really had something for her to see. And so she got the, the strength and the, uh, the desire, and, and she kept on plugging away until she got to the 10th floor. Got into the apartment, and there were, uh, was a couple, an older couple sitting there. And she got introduced to them and began to talk with them, and neither one of them were believers. And, and Corey got to share the gospel with these two people, elderly people, a husband and wife, who both gave their life to the Lord. On her way down the steps, Corey said, Thank you, Lord, for making me walk up all those steps. And next time, Lord, help Corey Ten Boom listen to, your own, listen to her own sermon about willing to go anywhere you tell me to go, even up flights of stairs. We read Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, and we say, sure, absolutely, anything you say, Lord. And then he says it, and we say, well, it's not really convenient right now. I got this and that, and, and the kids are young, and, you know, we make excuses. I make excuses. 
But it goes back to Proverbs chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord. Do I, do you, whatever he asks of you and I, do we trust him enough to believe that this is really important, that this is what he has for us? This is the time he wants us to do it. If we seek his will in all that we do, he will show us the path to take. A promise we can take to the bank, Christian, if we will do that. And he may ask us to do a lot more than climb 10 flights of stairs at 80 years old. I don't know. Only the Lord knows what he has. But if he calls you, I believe he will equip you and I to do it. And it, and it will bring glory to him. And will encourage our hearts and we'll say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for making me do that. It was the best thing. It was the best thing. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I am. I'm convicted sometimes when I read things like this. It sounds so great at first reading, at first glance. Yes, of course, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Of course, that makes sense, Lord. Except when it's, when it's something you ask me to do that I don't feel comfortable. Lord, it, it's been my experience, and I believe others of your children if you ask us to do something that is uncomfortable, it's because you have a purpose for that, that only we can do and do the best and do it your way. And Lord, maybe by obeying you, we will find joy and fulfillment and, uh, and fellowship with you unlike we could ever experience any other way. So, Father, I, I, I just asked you to speak to moms and dads and boys and girls today. As sometimes we ask about what, what am I going to do with the rest of my life or with what I have or what am I supposed to do? I believe your word would say, look to you, God. Ask me. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Lord, may we not be guilty of not asking. And may we not be guilty of when we know holding back and not wanting to take that first step. I try to imagine myself with the children of Israel and those priests standing at that roaring river that was overflowing its banks. And Joshua says, men, keep walking. And it was only when they dipped their feet in the river, suddenly the waters were stopped. The Bible says they walked over on dry ground. There is nothing impossible with you, God. We limit you. I limit you so often by not, not trusting you. I hold back. I limit what you intend what you could do teach me Lord to trust you with all my heart in, in everything that I do to seek your way you promised Lord you promised you will direct my path you will lead me where you want me to go you will lead us Lord Jesus in these difficult challenging times in which we live Help us, Lord, not to, not to lose sight of who is in control. 
and who is still on the throne and who wants us to trust him. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Oh, man. 
It occurs to me that maybe before you can ask God what he wants for you, you need to trust him with your heart. It could be that someone here today or listening in has never given their heart to Jesus. They've heard about him, but they don't know why he came to this earth. He came to give his life in your place and mine, to pay for our sins so that we, through faith in him, might have eternal life have our sins forgiven. You want to know what God has for you? Trust Jesus. Give your heart to him today. And then ask him, okay, Lord, what do you have for me? What about my family? What about our children? He will show you if you trust him with all your heart. Let's pray. Lord, it I take for granted sometimes that everyone has heard about Jesus and they know why he's come and where he is right now, according to your words, sitting at your right hand, Father, and he's interceding for us. He's praying for us by name. But he came to this earth so many years ago to take my place, to take the world's place and die on a cross and to pay for the sins that we could never pay. And so all that we can do is believe and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for dying for me so that I might live for you. Be with us, Lord, as we leave this place. Help us, Lord, if you've moved our hearts to think about it, to talk about it, to ask the questions about what you have for me to do and then to go out and do it. This world needs believers who will trust God to go and do what he has called them, what he's gifted them to do. Just like these young boys and girls who have great dreams and ambitions. Lord, you alone know what you have for them. I pray for the moms and dads of every one of the children in this church and those who are listening at home that they would stay tuned to their child and the things that they enjoy and develop those, Lord. Give opportunity to express um, those gifts, to see if it really is what you have. Lord, use them to bring glory and honor to your name and to teach the world, to teach me, to teach our church who we are, what you have for us. 
And Lord, that we can pass it on to the next generation, this faith that we hold so dear. So help us to be a blessing, Lord, to wherever we meet this day, this week, ever how long you give us, God. Being mindful of this, that we're one day closer to eternity than we've ever been before. I tell people, Lord, I'm running out of time. I say that tongue-in-cheek, but I am. We are. Every day that clicks off that calendar is one less that we'll ever be able to live. Help us to make the most of today, of this day. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. And may he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up the light of his counsel upon you and give you peace. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. Go serve your king.